Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. We're in week three of our series out of the book of Colossians. Our series is called Jesus Is. And it, it's such an important book of the Bible. It's such an important series. It literally revolves around who the person of Jesus is. And you may not realize this, but all of us are living our lives out of our revelation of who Jesus is. Every single person. So there are people that just have no faith in God. They do not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They do not believe in Him as the Christ. And so, you know, they live their lives in reflection of what they perceive to be as truth. And, you know, many of us that are online right now, we believe in Jesus. So we live our lives out of reflection of who Jesus is to us. It all comes back to how we see Him. And, you know, if you see Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you see Jesus as God, then I tell you right now, it's going to shift your values. It'll shift your relationships. You know, it changes how you do everything uh, in life. It, it probably changes how you, you raise your kids. It changes all your decision-making processes. And so, you know, we live out of that reality. You know, one of the things that I have learned and, and have held true for many years right now is that I never expect anybody who doesn't believe what I believe to value what I value. We're living in a world where people are becoming really clear about what they value. And, and whether it's politics, whether you sit you know, left or right, you know, your values will largely come out of your beliefs. And that's why Christian people are so different. We have a belief in God and that determines in so many ways what our values really are. And so in the book of Colossians, if, if you read this, there is a situation going down in Colossae a few thousand years ago. So Colossae is this little city to the Apostle Paul. He never visited. He never went there. He actually preached the gospel in a place called Ephesus. And, and a person was there that heard that message, came, became an evangelist, went back to Colossae, preaches the gospel, and suddenly the church starts to be birthed in that city. And so they have a revelation about who Jesus is. But there are other people in the city, maybe one person in particular, maybe it's a group, we don't really know, but one person. Let's call this person a shaman, right? Now, I don't know what you think of a shaman. I always think about someone with like multiple necklaces and, and weird stuff. And like they wear a lot of wristbands and they probably have long hair. And it's like sort of like a hippie, like I think about it like that, but, but they're not really, I'm sure that they weren't a hippie, but anyway, you just picture it however you want to do it, right? So, so there is this guy that's in the church who's actually trying to redefine for the people of Colossae, the Christian church in Colossae, redefine for them who Jesus is. And so Paul, the apostle, writes a letter to just clarify this because he knows, as we do, 
that we live out of our beliefs. Our values come out of that. He says, if you want to value the right things, you've got to believe the right things because right belief leads to right living. So he writes a letter to them and says, no, 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 no. Let me tell you who Jesus really is. So we're going to pick that up right now. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world. Elemental spirits. What is that? Great question. In Galatians 4.3, Paul the Apostle says, the people were enslaved to the elemental spirits. Okay, so they're enslaved to these spirits. What are these? Well, actually, they're fallen angels. So if we're going to talk about the reality of Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit and things that are spiritual, we have to also embrace that there is another side to this, right? There is Satan and demons and fallen angels. It's all part of the same narrative. And so here are these fallen angels, these elemental spirits of the world. He says, don't live life according to the elemental spirits of the world but, and not according to Christ. So like everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. And we don't always see everything because we're so, you know, in, in, in many ways, I guess, blinded by the fact that we just, we're, we're physical form and we focus on physical things, right? But everything is spiritual. In fact, the spiritual actually preceded the physical. That is the place that's eternal. Everything is spiritual. And so here is God who has, who is spirit, who has a plan for your life. You may be new to church. You may be new. Maybe you're just tuning in. You're watching this at some point. Just randomly found this clip. I don't know. But I tell you right now that God has a plan for your life. And His plan is to bless you. And that is no more evident than when we read the Scriptures and understand what the Gospel is really all about. And for the benefit of those people that are new, we, we say the Gospel is good news. It's the good news that Jesus the pre-existent Jesus came from heaven to earth to live as a human so he could represent us in a relationship we would have with God later on. And he paid the penalty for all of our sins. And if you by faith believe that what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, that when he paid the penalty for your mistakes, your present mistakes, the current things that you do wrong, if you believe that 2,000 years ago that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross covers you today, then you become what we call saved by grace through faith in Christ. That's the gospel. You're saved by grace. It's all by grace. It's about what He's done for you. It's about what He's done in you. It's all about Him. So, so here is God and He has a plan for your life. But I told you that there are multiple uh, uh, spiritual realms here. So, so in one sense, we have the kingdom of heaven and we have the kingdom of God. But then there is Satan and his fallen angels. And let me tell you something. Satan has a plan for your life too. They both have a plan for your life. Now, the thing about Satan is he actually can't stop God from doing whatever God wants to do in your life. But I can tell you what his plan is. 
His plan is to stop every single person who believes in God from having a relationship with God. So he's going to set up every circumstance he can to try to pull your attention away and steal your focus and, and get you to be out of a relationship with God, if that's even possible. And for those people that have no relationship with God, he hopes that you never, ever know him. He hopes that you never meet Jesus and so it's not just about you, it's about you and the people that are sitting beside you. In fact, I would go ahead and say that there is a spiritual war that's going on. This is a very present reality. There is a spiritual war that's happening all around us. And when I say war, you know, we don't see people walking around the streets, you know, in medieval gear with swords and shields and, you know, medieval times you know we don't see that nobody's wearing like bulletproof vests and 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 helmets at least not you know in melbourne australia right but that's because the war that we see it's not physical it's a spiritual war there are spiritual realities that are happening and a lot of the physical and present day stuff that we see has a spiritual origin see spiritual battles happen in spiritual places the apostle paul said in second corinthians that this battle that we have, it's, it's not of the flesh. It's not physical. So if it's not physical, then where is the battle actually taking place? We say it's happening spiritually, but where does that actually begin to intersect with us? Well, it happens often most cases in our minds. It happens up here. It's, it's, it's the way that we think. And the enemy of your soul has an agenda to actually shift the way that you think. And if he can shift the way that you think and, and have such a pattern of thinking in your mind, let's say this, a repeated pattern of thinking that you cannot break free of, that you cannot see past, right? That is what we would call a stronghold, a spiritual stronghold. And it's designed to keep you from understanding the truth about the present reality. Sometimes it'll shield you from who God is. This is very important. Sometimes it's going to shield your mind from what God is doing in your present reality. See, even if you believe in God, He would love to hide from you the blessings that God has put in your life right now so that you can't see God doing anything. Here's a great question that you might want to ask yourself. What is the pattern of thinking that I can't break out of? What is, what is the thought process that I just can't seem to get free of? What do I keep being drawn back to? Why can't I see what God is wanting to show me? It could be that there is something spiritual that's happening in your life. So when we, we look at this, this gospel message, the fact that we're saved by grace through faith in Christ, come on, that's an amazing truth, right? And who would, who would ever want to give that up? Who, who would not want this message for themselves? I mean, the, the only people that wouldn't want this would have to be people that, that don't understand it, I guess. You know, who would, who would not want the God of all grace to be a present reality in their life? To me, it just doesn't make sense, right? You're saved by grace, not by what you do. It's not about your works. It's not about your merits. It's not about how good you can be. You know, you know the difference between grace and works, honestly, is like the difference between wanting to swim to America or fly to America. You could do it. You could do it one of two ways, right? So you can just jump on the plane. You can get on board and let someone else take you there and you can arrive. Or you can try to swim there. But guess what? I promise you this. Anybody that attempts to swim will drown along the way. See, what happens is with your faith is 
Your faith puts you on board and Jesus takes you to a place that you could never go to on your own. You couldn't get there on your own. It's Him that takes you there. Now you can try on your own, right? But you're going to drown along the way. And you know what? The, the, the reality is this war against you, this war that comes against Christian people. It's a war designed to get you to think wrong about Jesus because the devil wants you to drown and trying to get there on your own and get to God on your own. That's how you drown. That's how you do it. You know, what's interesting to me is that almost universally, when you ask people, how do you get to heaven? Those that don't know will often say, you got to be a good person. That's how you get there. No, that's how you drown. Right? That's how you drown. It's so fascinating to me that even with people out of a relationship with God, they're so predisposed to having a relationship with God based on their own merit. And the, and the thing that they think that it is, the strategy that they think for getting into heaven is the very thing that will make them drown as they try. It just doesn't make sense. And the reason why is because it doesn't matter how many good works you do, you will never work your way to perfection. And the standard that God sets is perfection. I mean, I don't even know how the system works. It doesn't take a lot of deep thinking to try to figure it out. I mean, if your goal is to begin to stack all of the good things against all of the bad things, at what point do you lose count? Day one, day two, do you even know when the bad things are stacking up? How many good things? Here's the reality. That doesn't work. Listen, the gospel is simple. You're saved by grace through faith in Christ. It's literally that simple. And so these elemental spirits, these demons, they know that the Colossians know this. And so they come up with a strategy because they can't Stop the Colossians from knowing this, right? So they come up with a strategy that I believe still works. You know, my kids, they, I, secretly, I think they like ISO, right? Because they just want to get on YouTube and they want to watch, right? And, and they do this thing that I don't understand. They have their own video games, but they watch other people play the same game. So I have a friend of mine, Vin, who's actually tried to explain this to me in a, in a couple of ways. He says, do you like basketball? I said, yeah. He goes, could you play? I said, yeah. He says, do you ever watch it? I'm like, yeah. He says, it's the same thing. I'm like, nah, it's not the same thing. I don't know why. It doesn't make sense to me. But watching people play video games is not the same thing, all right? So I don't care if that doesn't make sense. It's how I think. It's how I feel, all right? So anyway, right, they watch. But there's a reason why they're watching. Because when they watch, they're actually learning about all the secret hints and tips and ways to get ahead. You know, that they're like, hey, we'll show you how to get ahead quicker. And I remember back in the day, even with, with like, you know, I remember Mario Brothers. Like we had the first Nintendo. We had Mario Brothers and we would play it. And, you know, there were like ways for you to get 
this to warp from world two to world eight. You just had to know the secret. You just had to know what were the right buttons to push. And they always put this stuff in games, right? Well, th that is exactly what's happening in Colossae. Because somebody is coming in and he's saying, hey, I'm going to show you how to advance spiritually. There's some things that you don't really know. Let me redefine for you who the person of Jesus is. I'm going to show you some things that you don't know. And if you do the things that I say, I will help you to advance spiritually, right? Now, we have to assume that this guy, he is under... What did Paul say? The elemental spirits of the world. So there is a demonic influence that's coming through this person. And you know what is interesting to me? Is the interesting part of all of this is that the demonic influence is actually showing them how to have a better relationship with Jesus. Isn't that interesting? So this guy is saying, I'm going to show you how to advance spiritually. Why would... The demonic influence coming through this person have any vested interest in showing them how to advance spiritually? And the answer is because everything that he shows them is not as it seems. He's telling them how to advance by telling them secrets and things that I don't really know about. But if they lean into this, if they lean into what he's saying, they're actually moving in the opposite direction. Paul uses this word philosophy, right? But you know what the philosophy was? It was, it was honestly, it was really about just keeping parts of the law. AKA, you get to God through your works. That's really what his philosophy was. The secrets for how to advance, it was really, it wasn't a secret. It was just about trying to keep parts of the law. And we have a word for that. We call it legalism. And so it's the idea that God saves you in this sense, God saves you, but then you are responsible for maintaining it. How many people do you know like, that think like this? You know, it's like, you know, they gave their life to Jesus and they realize that they're just totally saved by God. Awesome. And then after they make a decision to follow God, they feel like they need to maintain where he put them. It doesn't really make sense. Paul uses this phrase, works of the law, eight times in different and various books that he writes, right? But every time he talks about the works of the law, you know, he comes back and he says the same thing. And the thing that he says every time is that no one will be justified by their works. Listen, you cannot get there by your merit. You cannot get there by doing things just on your own. And Christian people get sucked into this all of the time. They, they really believed that God helped them and He saved them. But now in order to maintain this close connection that came by grace in the first instance, it's a requirement of them to maintain a level of perfection. right? And, and, and this is why so many people come under condemnation. Condemnation from the devil who comes to them and says, you're not doing enough. You haven't done enough. You're not good enough. He would love for you to believe that your relationship with God was all about how good you could be. Let me explain to you how it works, right? So the presence of God comes in the, and it says that the Spirit of God convicts us of sin and righteousness and judgment, right? So the Spirit of God convicts. There's going to be a moment in your life where the Spirit of God will actually convict you about something that's, that's happening. Now, when that happens, right, don't dismiss it and, and, and say, oh, that's just maybe the, the enemy trying to, you know, get to me. No, no, God works through your feelings. Did you know that? God works through your feelings, okay? So 
So when you feel bad about something, it could be that God is saying, come on, you've got you to cut this out. You've got to stop living this way. You can't keep doing this stuff. And so there's a conviction there. But then you go to God and you say, hey, I'm sorry. And, and, and I ask for forgiveness in my life. And because of the magnitude of the gospel and everything that Jesus Christ did, it doesn't forgive all of your sins just up to the moment of your salvation, but after your salvation. You, it continues to sustain you. And, and, and so this incredible grace continues to be effective and work in your life, even when you continue to make mistakes. So what the devil will sometimes do is he'll come to you and after you've asked for forgiveness for all of your sins, he'll, say, he'll come to you and say, yeah, but you're still not good enough. Yeah, but you haven't done enough. And so he'll bring up the things that you have been forgiven for, the things that you have been set free of, and he'll constantly bring them up and make you feel like you're never enough. And that is what is happening in this little sect that's beginning to form in this church in Colossae. So the Apostle Paul says, let me explain it to you. I'm going to make it really clear. And he writes this in Colossians 2, 13 to 15. He says, and you who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. So for the benefit of understanding the uncircumcision of your flesh, let me just explain to you how this works. If back under old covenants, the way that you would enter into a relationship with God was through something called covenant. And to seal the covenant there would be the spilling of blood and specifically through the act of circumcision. That's why Jewish people would get circumcised. So thank God no one has to do that anymore. And I'll tell you why. Because Jesus helped us enter into what we call a new covenant, right? So, so we have a new covenant. This covenant is what divides the Old Testament from the New Testament. If you get a Bible, there'll be a completely blank page between the old and the new because he started something new. And Jesus shed his blood on the cross for our sins. So I don't need to spill my blood to enter into a relationship with God. Jesus did all of it for me. You see how this is all about him. It's really all about him. It's all about everything that he did. So he says, you who are dead in your trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive. In other words, it's God who makes it alive. You don't make yourself alive. You were dead. He comes and breathes life into you. It's Him that rescues you. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, when they begin to become Christians, they think that they found God. No, 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 no. You didn't find Him. He found you. He always knew where you were. Try to think about it like this. Imagine if somebody was brought into an operating theater and they're basically dead. They have little to, to no heartbeat or, or, the, or they flatlined. And then... They just reached across and grabbed the paddles themselves, put them on their own chest and bring them back to life. So that's insane. Yes, it is. Exactly the same here. You don't bring yourself back to life. You didn't find God. He came and saved you. He is the master physician who comes and saves you. He comes, he rescues you. So you didn't do it. You were dead in your trespasses, which is another way of saying your sins. He comes and he revives you together with him, having forgiven us of all of our trespasses. Now listen to this, verse 14. By canceling the record of debt. So in the Greek, there was one word for that phrase, record of debt. There was just one word. And it actually was a word that they used for a document of indebtedness, which a person would write in their own handwriting. We don't read the Apocrypha because we are Christians. We're Pentecostal Christians. But if you read the Apocrypha, they use the same word when people would write out an IOU. So 
An IOU is when I've done something and I owe you. Now, who do you owe? Well, the answer is God. Now, if you had to write out an IOU for every time you owed him, right, your hands would be getting tired because you'd be writing all day. Because you'd be like, made another mistake. I owe you one God. 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 Who wants to have works of the law when all you're doing is writing out all of your mistakes all of the time? You know, this, this, this is the very thing that Jesus came to set us free of so that we wouldn't have that, okay? So it says, He canceled the wreck of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. What's the demands, legal demands? Well, the penalty of sin is death. And we're talking about, uh, yeah, eventually we'll all physically die, but there is eternal death as well. It says, this He set aside. Now the word is rightly translated set aside. So that's a good translation, but just so you understand what that means, it means removed from your sight forever. You got an IOU to God. I've made mistakes. I can't make it right. All of the things, mistakes I've made my whole life, they're stacking. I'm drowning in all of the IOUs that I have, right? Jesus came and He took those things out of your sight forever. One of the things I love about Jesus is he never lowered the standards of His righteousness so that we could get into heaven. In fact, if you don't understand anything about the New Testament, I'll tell you what He did. He increased the standard of righteousness. Like he, he is quoted as saying to people, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. Why? Because that's just the physical act. But what does Jesus do? Well, He traces the fruit to the root. What does He say? Jesus says, no, no, no. I'm saying to you that if you even look at a woman With lustful intent, you've committed adultery in your mind. See, he wasn't just interested in the physical. He's going back to the heart. He's going back to the mind. He's going back to the spiritual realm. He's going back to where the war takes place, right? And he says, you got to get that stuff right there. So Jesus, he, he never decreased the standard of righteousness. He increased it. He just helped us by paying our debt for us. That's everything that Jesus did. How did He do it? He nailed it. It says this, by nailing it to the cross. You know, when someone was nailed to the cross, their IOU, their certificate of indebtedness would be nailed above their head so that people would see them hanging on the cross and all of their sins hanging over them. This is exactly what Jesus came to set people free from. He removed that so it wouldn't be there. There's no record of our wrongs. In verse 15, it says, He disarmed the rules and authorities, which means He stripped them of their power and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. Jesus is our victory over sin. That's what Jesus is. He's our, he's our total victory over sin. You know, back in these times when a city was defeated by invading people, they would often take the king and some of the soldiers and they would parade them through the cities. They would parade them through there to show that they were victorious and, and the kings and all of their soldiers, right, that they were defeated and they would parade the defeated soldiers through the city. I can't help but think about this as Jesus was on his way to Golgotha carrying his cross. 
the city lined with people watching. And, and by all accounts, if we were just people that thought about things physically, it must have looked like he was defeated. It must have looked like here, here is the end of a failed attempt to do something good. And in the end, he died. But you know what? If you were just to open your eyes spiritually, you wouldn't be seeing somebody walking through as a sense of failure. That was actually a walk of triumph and absolutely sealed by his death on the cross where it inaugurated our victory over sin. And see, the very thing, this is why it's it, sometimes the, the spiritual is the reverse of what we physically see. Because in the physical, it looks like Jesus must have lost. I mean, come on, here he is being nailed to the cross. But you know what? If you understand that that had to happen, so he paid the penalty for our sins so that we could have a relationship with God, that was the greatest and most decisive victory that anyone has ever had in the history of ever. He exchanged the penalty of our sin for the righteousness of his life. And it's all him. It's all him. He's literally done everything. He did it all. I bring nothing to the table in this relationship with him, except my heart, which I give to him. He's done everything for me. You know, I remember years ago when I gave my life to Jesus, I had this period of time where I went so far from him. And when I rededicated my heart to him, I, I, I was convicted of my sin. I said, God, I said, I've made so many mistakes and I, I want to get things right. And you know what? I'm going to do my best. And I think I might have even said probably something like, I'm, I'm not going to sin again. Right. Well, you know, the next day it was a Monday because I remember it was a Sunday. I was in church. The next day it was Monday. I walked straight out of the house and I sinned. And I didn't even know what it was. But I promise you that I did. And even though I did, I'm just certain of it. Because I just understand. How many of you know that just because you gave your life to Jesus doesn't make you a perfect person? I feel like so many people that don't go to church, they think that we think we're good. No, we just think that we're saved by grace through faith in Christ. We just know that we need Him. So, so here I am and, I, and, and Jesus you know, saves me one day. I walk out, I make the a mistake the next day. But guess what? I wasn't any less saved on the second day because I made a mistake. No, 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 no. I was just as saved. I was just as secure. But you know, the moment that I started to make mistakes in my life after giving my heart to Jesus, I heard what? The elemental spirits of the world who come and they begin to whisper into my ear. They've whispered in your ear. Have you ever heard of this syndrome called imposter syndrome? It's, it's where you actually think that you're phony. You think like you're not the real deal? And the elemental spirits of the world will come to you and say, you're not real. You're not the real deal. You're fake. You're phony. The devil comes along with his plan for your life and he says, nah, you're not the real deal. Because if you were the real deal, you would have stopped sinning. That's not true. Because if, if you could have done it on your own, Jesus wouldn't have needed to come. You think that, that God would sacrifice his only son if it was unnecessary? Like we, didn't, we could just do it on our own? No. 
He's hoping that what happens is, this is the devil. He's hoping that what happens is, is that when you hear the elemental spirits on the world, you'll start to think that God's grace was enough to get me to the place of salvation. But now it's my responsibility to maintain it by being good, by being perfect. Because if he can get you to think that, it's going to mess up everything in your life. Listen to me. My whole point is that the grace that got you here also keeps you here. The grace that saves you is the grace that keeps you. It's the same grace that maintains your favor with God. It's the same grace that keeps you in a place where God will continue to bless you. And it's all on Him. You've got to know this, right? The, the enemy of your soul, he can't stop what God wants to do in your life. So he'll feed you this kind of idea. This works-based, merit-based relationship with God, hoping that you'll take the bait because He can't stop you from being saved. So you know what He does? He pushes you into works. It's so counterintuitive. The idea that He would actually try to help you be good because He understands that you'll never be good enough because you've overcorrected, you've gone too far. It just won't make sense. It's a fight that you'll lose. And then you know what the truth is? You actually really will be guilty because the moment that your relationship stops resting on the person of Jesus and the grace that He has for you and what He's done in your life is the moment it comes to rest all on you. I love what John Wesley said. He said, None can trust in the merits of Christ until he's utterly renounced his own. Listen, we, we, we just got to keep this all about him. And this legalistic mentality where I can do it. Works of the law. Legalism is the death of grace. And so many people fall into this. Hey, here's, how you, here's how you know that you're starting to become a little bit legalistic. You know when you start to demand blessings because you've been pretty good this week. So you deserve some good things. Come on, God, I've done some good things. I gave when, the, when, the, when we were raising money. I, I gave. You owe me, you know. You, you owe me. Hey, can I tell you that God has paid everything in full in the person of Jesus. And who would give up that, that gospel? Who would give up that grace? Well, no one willingly. I, I, I don't think so, at least not intentionally. They're just tricked into it. And the Apostle Paul says to the Colossians, and even now, through what he wrote, says to you today, come on, don't take the bait. Come on. Don't, don't start to believe this. It's grace upon grace. It's, it's salvation by grace through faith in Christ. My faith gets me on board. Jesus takes me to a place I could never go on my own. I'll drown if I try. I can't do it, but He can. We just got to wrap our heads around it. Oh, how do we manage it then? Aren't we supposed to be good? Well, I think John wrote something about this that I think just clears all of that up. Listen to this, John chapter 2, verse 1 to 6. He says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. So don't do it. Don't sin. Don't make any mistakes. But if anyone does sin, I love that. 
Don't do it. But if you do, you're going to try, but you're going to make a mistake. It's the tension. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate, someone who represents us. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Oh, I love that title. He is the propitiation. Propitiation is a sacrifice that turns wrath into blessing. In other words, if you want God's blessing in your life, it comes by having a relationship with God through the person of Jesus. See, without Him, it's all about you and your merits. But what did I say? The penalty for your mistakes is death. So that's what we call wrath. And it's almost like, imagine this, like the wrath is coming, but then you have a relationship with Jesus. And instead of the wrath coming, suddenly it becomes blessing in your life. That's what propitiation is. That's what Jesus is. That's what He's done. That's why it says He's our propitiation. He is the sacrifice that turns all of God's punishment that was coming towards us directly into blessing that's now for us. He's our propitiation for our sins and not only and not ours only, but also the sins of the whole world. I think that's amazing. How, how do I get connected to that? I mean, who doesn't want a relationship with God like that? He says in verse 3, And by this we know, this is how you do it, by this we know that we have come to know Him. If we keep His commandments. Wait, keep His commandments? Now this is just getting confusing, because isn't that works again? Like, isn't that, aren't we just trying to, be good all over again. Wait, he goes on. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Verse 5, but whoever knows, uh, but whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. And here it is. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. In other words, he knows his own by how they behave. How they behave comes from what they value. What they value comes from what they believe. You got to understand something. If you have a relationship with God, then you're going to do your absolute best to follow Him you read the Scriptures and you're like, God, I, I, I want to do everything that I can to be righteous and, and, and be good and follow after you and do all the things that I can do. I, I want to stop sinning and I want to engage in the right behaviours that you've asked me to engage in, right? But you should know that even though you try, you're going to make a mistake somewhere. And that's the tension that we hold, that is because we are saved by grace through faith in Christ. That's the relationship that we have. You're going to try and you're going to fail, but you at least got to try. The trying is the part that tells Him and everyone else that, you know what? This is real for you, that you actually are doing your best. And even though you made mistakes, there's grace for you. You're forgiven for all of your mistakes and all of your sin. See, the grace that got you here, it keeps you here. The grace that brought you to the place of salvation is the grace that sustains your salvation. It's grace upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. It just keeps flowing in your life. And while you're walking after Him, I'm going after Him. I'm going in the direction of God. I, I, 
I've repented from my sin. I've turned away from the way I was going. I'm walking in His direction. And as long as I walk after Him, right, there's grace for my mistakes, but I'm going to do my absolute best. It's the tension that we hold. Why? Because we're saved by grace through faith in Christ while understanding that we still make mistakes. And you know what I want to do this morning is pray for people that have just come under the condemnation of the enemy. Maybe you have thought, (laughs) you can't have a close relationship with God because this week you really screwed up. I wonder how many Christians are listening to this message right now and feel guilty all of the time because they didn't read their Bible enough, because they didn't pray enough, because they haven't done enough, they haven't given enough. See, this is what the devil will always tell you. You haven't done enough. You haven't given enough. You haven't read enough. You haven't prayed enough. And guess what? You're not enough. I tell you, the Spirit of God will never say that to you. He knows that you're not enough, but He comes for you anyway. And right now, I wanna pray to all of that works-based, legalistic mentality that drives you from the presence of God, because that's the strategy here. The devil knows if you never feel good enough, you're not gonna come into his presence. And it's the very thing you need in order to move forward. Right now, I feel there's a lot of people that are about to move forward in their relationship with God by understanding this very basic, simplistic gospel truth. You're not enough, it's okay, Jesus is. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I pray for every single person who today says, I always feel like that, God. I always feel like I'm not enough. I do feel guilty. That's why I don't come to you. I always feel bad. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, let the presence of your Spirit come and move in people's hearts and their minds right now. Go to the place where the battle is being fought, the spiritual place in their mind, the spiritual place that prevents them from going into the presence of God. I pray that all of that would lift off. And in the name of Jesus, we, I just pray, man, I just pray a protection, a spiritual protection. If this is for you right now, you need this in your life, why don't you just, who cares who's around? You just raise your hand right now. You need spiritual protection of your mind. The enemy is taking you to dark places. He's trying to, he's trying to develop strongholds, patterns of thinking in your mind. Right? I pray in Jesus' name that every stronghold would be broken. Lord, your word says that we have divine power to destroy strongholds. Well, God, we just speak to that spiritual battle that's being taken, that's taking place in people's minds. And we pray that there would be a loosening that there would be a breaking off of every wrong pattern of thought. And I pray the presence of God to come and fill their homes, to come and fill their hearts, to come and fill their minds. I pray for a peace that comes only by having that closeness with you that comes by grace. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.